Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Projected Opinions Podcast, the best movie podcast at about 20 minutes. <laughs> My name is Matt Noble. And I'm Nathan Payne. And uh, this week we have another special for you. Uh, we thought it'd be uh, interesting to just kind of go back and kind of pull the curtain back a bit about our lives and uh, why we're even here doing a podcast about movies and uh, maybe get you a better background on who we are as people. And uh, I just want to start out with Nathan. Nathan, can you kind of describe in a few minutes how you got into this chair that you're sitting in and doing a a movie podcast? (laughs) Well, I will tell you that my life is one of the most roundabout stories you will ever hear. Great. Make it in less than 10 minutes. (laughs) Will will do. Um, So I've been watching movies ever since I can remember. And I grew up... um, I grew up with three kind of movies that kind of really influenced me. Um, One was The Lion King. It was my favorite, like, Disney movie. Um, And only later I turned out that they borrowed everything from Hamlet. So, you know, there is nothing new under the sun. I also remember at a very young age watching the original Star Wars. And my aunt made sure that I watched four first. So I watched 4, 5, and 6, and at that time, uh, Phantom Menace was out, um, but Attack of the Clones was not. And so I was around when Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith came out, but I had to wait for them on DVD, like, to come to the blockbuster. Um, And I'll come back to that in a second, because that's an important part of the story. And I also remember um, Field of Dreams with Kevin Costner in 1989. Um, I wasn't alive when it came out, but that was one of my dad's favorite movies um he loves sports and like that was like the the father the father-son movie that we had Hmm. um ironically james earl jones is in all three of or all three of those um films that i ended up caring about um mufasa darth vader and uh whatever character he plays the writer in uh field of dreams anywho um movies were always just kind of a part of my life um and in 2002, when Attack of the Clones came out, I was a huge Star Wars fan at this point. It was it was everything that I cared about. Um, I was obsessed. My parents s- still have problems with, with that. Um, and so we went to the Blockbuster, and we got the DVD of Attack of the Clones. And we took it home, and we watched it. And then I immediately took it out, and I put it in the special features disc. And we watched all of those. Uh, and we were sitting there, and I was watching the actors run around on a half set, half blue screen, and I was like, "That's amazing!" Like, as like watching the movie, I would have never like known or almost even cared at that point what it took to make. But I was as I was watching the special features, uh, it just I don't know the magic of what they were capturing and what they were portraying. Um, it got me and I was like that that would be the dream right the dream job would be to make movies Hmm. and then you know you grow up a little bit and you figure out that movies and music are the two things that you should never do with your life Um, or painting Um, (laughs) theater (laughs) right like these are the things that you don't do these are not real jobs these are pipe dreams and you do them on the side as you have a real job I was like oh okay and I kind of moved on but I still watch every special feature thing that I could like yeah. everywhere I could find it I was in and so I just I just enjoyed that part of film and we were getting to like my sophomore junior year of high school my mom started having conversations with me like 
you know, what what degree do you think you might want to get in college if we can if we can afford to get you to college? Um, what what do you think you want to do with your life, son? Uh, and I was like, I have no clue. I'm I there's no jobs that I really really care about. Um, and she was like, well, um, I think you could make it in film if you wanted to do that. And you know, of course, me was like, that wasn't even an option in my brain. Um, and she said that and I was like, huh, I could. Um, and at that point, I had been, I had been volunteering at a local TV station, and you know, me and my brother made backyard movies with a little standard definition camera with like the crappiest video you've ever seen. But I had learned how to, I learned how to use Adobe After Effects, and I could rotoscope lightsabers, and and yep. I I had fun with it. It was a hobby, uh, most definitely. And I kind of sat down and I thought about it, and then I realized that I wasn't good at anything else. So I guess movies it would have to be. Um, <laughs> like I, I don't do math. I, you know, I can read fairly well. I don't. I I do write, but I can't get very far because my perfectionism doesn't allow me to write rough drafts. So I always end up editing before I finish anything. And I realized that like, yeah, I guess I guess this is it. And so I kind of decided to put a lot of time and effort into that, and it's uh, it's been a really interesting ride. Um, all of a sudden, as I would as I would um, pray for things, and as I would consider options in my life, different doorways that I could go through, things would just fall into my lap, and opportunities that I I never thought I'm I would be able to get. Um, and the thing with the film industry, and this is true of any part of it. Um, is it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And this is about a lot of life, really. But the deal with film is jobs don't come because you have, um, you have work. They come because of you know people that need you and your skills. And so the trick is just to know so many people that you get hired fairly often so that you can keep yourself up. Um, and I would get jobs and I wouldn't know people and I would then start getting to meet people and just the way that um, the things in my life started working out pointed almost entirely in this direction and it, it got to a point where it was just like okay so this is this is happening this is I'm in kind of um, and so it's one of those weird things there's two versions of success for a film person there's a uh, Hollywood you know fame recognition like that version of success you know, Ron Howard, Academy Awards, like that kind of success. And then there's the kind of success that's a bit more understated, but it's the kind that everybody really wants. And that's the kind of success where your your entire livelihood comes from making film. And it's a bit weird um, because I'm not really there there. I've never worked on a Hollywood set I've never even worked on a true indie set. Uh, you know, Christian films, I guess, kind of count. Um, but it's one of those—it's one of those weird things where I look at like my sources of income in my life, and I actually, quote unquote, have have made it. Like all of my sources of income come from filmmaking. Um, of course, I hold many jobs because it's hard to do it with just one source. But it's—it's it's kind of become my livelihood and so this is what I do now I uh, I remote into two different jobs 
um, one here in town that uh, Matt also works for. Thanks, Matt, for the, the job. Um, and I work for a video production company in Chicago, um, and I manage their graphics and visual effects department for them remotely. Um, and then I also freelance on set. I do a lot of uh, technical work with cameras and lights um, in Houston and in different parts of Texas. So, like, I'm going to be absent a little bit later in June from the podcast because I will be back in San Antonio for two weeks um, on a feature film there. So, this is kind of my wheelhouse. This is what I do. Um, I guess the ultimate goal would be becoming a director of photography, um, but I'm immensely enjoying where I'm at right now and the different levels that I get to work in. So that's kind of me and how I got into film and, and what I do. Um, so tell me about yourself, Matt. How'd you, how'd you get in and uh, what's, what's your relationship with this, this beast of an industry? Yeah, I don't know that I'm in. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, like you, grew up watching movies. I didn't get to watch as many as perhaps a normal kid. Um, my family was pretty conservative, and so there were like a lot of limits, which was probably good for me at the time being a kid. Uh, but things, uh, as I started getting older, things started like opening up. I had a chance to watch uh, Lord of the Rings. After I read the books, my mom forced me to read the books first, and when they that's came the out, that's the best way, Matt. That's right. I know. I would. My kids are gonna have to read them. I uh, I got to see see that, and that was a a big deal. Uh, and I started getting sucked into the the special features, like yourself. Um, I just thought that was really cool. In fact, I still remember three movies in particular that I I watched the uh, director's commentary probably. Uh, nearly as much as I did the actual film and that is um, in order probably Pirates of the Caribbean the original one the, uh, uh, the Prime Prejudice directed by Joe Wright and Star Trek um, 2009 version directed by J.J. Uh, Abrams and I loved listening to how these th- stories had come to life um, It to me it was truly magic something that was being brought together by hundreds of different people and you only get to see a small box of it on screen and what you don't see is just as interesting if not more so uh it's 330 degrees behind the screen uh everything else outside of frame (coughs) is there for one reason and that is to bring the thing on screen to life uh, and to tell a story. And I just loved that. I loved the idea of narrative building, uh, story world building, and doing it through film, which just seems so different from... Like, you can read a book and, like, a one person put that into words for you to consume. Uh, music is maybe a little bit different. You have multiple pieces, instruments coming together, and someone wrote the music, and... Uh, and sculpture and art usually is just one or two artists and with film it's different they're like especially these big budget blockbusters that you'll see and we give a lot of garbage to the the big movies sometimes uh but there are thousands of people that go into making that and i thought that was so incredible and uh, i became more and more enamored (laughs) with it and knew that it wasn't really an option for me to do as a living. 
I went to college and was getting a degree in history when I started. Yes, tell me how the salary for history is much higher than film. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not. It's basically pre-unemployment. Uh, <laughs> Ouch. Uh, I love you history majors. Several good friends that are history majors. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, I uh, ended up starting or helping start with one of my friends the film production club at my my college while I was doing history as a major because I just loved the idea so much. I tried to actually get a a film off my senior year because I needed more things to do. (laughs) I was dying. Heavy sarcasm. Uh, Yeah. And uh, that ended up not coming to fruition for a lot of different complications, but it was... uh, still excited every time i did something even if it didn't work out it was still magical it still felt like i'm learning something more about this world like all these little idiosyncrasies that this art has uh, that no one knows about unless you're actually trying to do it and uh, and that's true about a lot of different things but especially film there's so many things that you have to keep track of and that's it's insane uh so i went to college got the degree in history uh started going to grad school like never really engaged the uh world of film as much as i really wanted to i just felt like that was just not my calling Uh, i moved to southeast texas and uh was a history teacher so there's the employment and uh on the on the side i while i was grading papers or something i would always be watching movies i always had something going on uh and um, I started thinking that I really wanted to try to step back into it. Uh, not back into it, I guess, it, but try to like touch this w- world of filmmaking somehow. And uh, I started writing short screenplays and submitting them to festivals. And some of them did okay, and some of them uh, really did not, you know. And uh, went to a couple local film festivals and fell. Uh, in love with this world of the film festival. It's a really strange group of people that are out there running these festivals, but it's a ton of hard work and it's really awesome. All that they're able to do, it's almost like a film set itself in many ways. And uh, started kind of getting some awards on the side for writing and uh, actually submitted a, uh, a pitch to a production company, got denied, but then they sent me to a writer's workshop in LA in Hollywood. Uh, with some really incredible writers out there and met a lot of people and did the networking thing that you were talking about and uh, have been um, tangentially involved knowing a lot of people in the industry uh, making a living out of it but not doing that myself allows me to kind of vicariously live through people (laughs) Um, but the the love of film has never died and it continues to go stronger and uh, that's part of the reason that uh, started the podcast because I really have been wanting to help other people who maybe aren't super film buffs uh, understand a little bit more about what goes into making these movies and think more critically about them and enjoy them at a deeper level because there's so many layers of a film and the story that goes into it that uh, I, I don't know I think you can fully appreciate something when you have a fuller understanding of it and so I agree that's that's kind of my history how I got to be here yeah so um we're we're two guys that just love this art form it's something that i think we can both agree that we've never found um anywhere else the the amount of complicated 
ideas and um, processes that have to be involved in the making of one singular product. In many ways, it's a lot like architecture and uh, building a skyscraper. You have a a person design it, the architect, Mm -hmm. the the screenwriter, and then uh, you have this big company that comes and employs a ton of people to build that thing. Uh, and in, in the in the way of a skyscraper, it's not truly uh, like art. In, in a way, you can have some really artistic designs of buildings, but um, it's it's more engineering and mm-hmm. industry. And with film, it's basically the skyscraper building of the art world. And you have people come in from all walks of life. I've right. never seen I've never seen one project employ so many different walks of uh, skills Mm -hmm. and different uh, vocations Mm -hmm. in one place where you can have gardeners and carpenters and engineers and electricians and um, uh, costumers and and wardrobe people and people (laughs) whose entire job it is to lift things and to push things (laughs) and People who all they do is they, you know, Event control the plan, f- basically. focus and some people are doing accounting and some people are doing yep. um, scheduling and marketing. Like, and... The the amount of different areas that would be considered their own job elsewhere mm-hmm. that have to come into contact and communicate and all, all work so well together to make one cohesive product. And like you were saying, we do give a lot of... of we, we we do smash on on some movies uh, quite hard. I think Tomb Raider yeah. kind of comes to mind, but even then, even even with what we would consider to be a bad movie, the amount of effort that goes into making it and the how close that they did get to being a cohesive piece really is mind blowing. Because in the end, you have somewhere around like six hundred people working on this film. And in the end, they've they still got incredibly close to this this feat of emotional um, communication yeah. with an audience, and that's insane. Like that, you can have an audience that willingly pays money to sit in a place for two hours and have you tell them how to feel. And sometimes people There's forget nothing that it, like it. So, sometimes people forget that it takes years to do this. Um, like when you have a sequel come out, it's never th- the next month, the next right. year is sometimes the closest it gets, but that's only when you start production at the same time. Right. Like uh, the only way that Lord of the Rings was able to do that is because they shot three of them at the same time. Right. Um, but I think for for a standard movie, it's, it's two to three years mm-hmm. from beginning to end, and that's a lot of your life. George Lucas has a quote, you have to marry this movie. This is going to be your life for the next three or four years of your life, yeah. um, and it's it is a commitment. And I think it's I think that the amount of uh, communication that you can have with an audience yeah. through film is something that you can't get through any other art form right now. You know, Roger Ebert, the uh, the world famous film critic out of Chicago, um, is quoted as saying something along the lines. I'm going to butcher it, but I'm going to try to do my best. Uh, something along the lines of uh, movies are the uh, are the art world's greatest empathy machines. They are able to transport any person 
into anyone else's shoes for two hours. They can experience the feelings and emotions, the the ups and downs of any other person uh, if, if it's a good movie. And that's what telling these stories is all about, is helping you better uh, become a better human being by understanding other human beings better and and being able to relate to other people better and experience lives together. And I really appreciate that. A, a good story can do so much with helping you grapple with uh, humanity mm-hmm. in, in many ways. And I think that's, that's really beautiful. And um, every time I walk out of a movie that was either really good and I think, man... What a great way to help me feel something that I didn't expect to feel today. Mm-hmm. Or if it's a really bad movie, I think, well, what what were the feelings that didn't help me empathize with these characters? Mm-hmm. Uh, one to just because I, I like to understand be- better, like mm-hmm. how to how to do something better than what I just did mm-hmm. or or saw, and um, and I think that's really good for all of us to experience. Like a good movie can do so much for you. It can. So, so that's been kind of a look into our. Our lives, how we got here, why we, why we care so much. Because, I mean, to sit here and take time out of your day to to talk about movies is like it might seem kind of shallow almost. But this is this is a field that I think has unprecedented amounts of uh, communication abilities and um, empathizing, and I think it has more of an effect than a lot of people even realize. Yeah. Um, so I think I think it's an important topic, and I think that um, we have a lot of fun doing this. I mean, um, at the beginning, it wasn't even about like really having an audience. It was about having somebody else that we could talk to that was like that understood and cared mm-hmm. as much as we did. Um, and you know, the secondary goal was to help other people who who might just go to movies for fun yeah. to realize that there's so much more um, to a film. So. Thank you for joining us for yeah. this uh, special episode, I guess. And, and we hope that you'll join us in the future for uh, more movie reviews. And if you ever want us to review something specific, please let us know. Uh, we're on social media and... Facebook, Twitter, projectedopinions at gmail.com. Yep. Drop us a line. Thanks so much. See you next time.